Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, we're going to be talking some pop culture. Usually we talk movies, video games, comic books. This week we're going to be talking television. Uh, we've got two of the writers of Netflix's The Dragon Prince. This is a show that Ian Kerner recommended to me years ago when season one came out. He said, hey, that Dragon Prince show is really good. And I had heard that it was involved with some of the creators from Avatar The Last Airbender, which we obviously love. And uh, so I wanted to give it a chance. But with just so much content coming out uh, for the last, what, five, ten years? I mean, I'm going to go ten years. Um, Especially with, like, the rise of streamers. It's just hard to keep up with this content. But uh, if anything... More and more people in the years since have just said, hey, you got to be watching this this show, The Dragon Prince on Netflix. It's fantastic. If you loved Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, which clearly if you're listening to Geekscape, chances are very high you loved those shows. The Dragon Prince sounds like it's right in line with all of those. So I'm very happy. We have two of the writers of The Dragon Prince Season 4 on the show. They're going to be coming right up and we're going to have a bit of an education. I'm going to be educated on all things The Dragon Prince uh, here in a little bit. And if you're uh, either a fan or, or a longtime fan or a new fan of the show, um, then you're going to learn something, too. Uh, just a little bit of uh, bookkeeping here at Geekscape. I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of episodes. Uh, I loved talking Wakanda Forever with Ian. That's in the feed. Uh, we talked vampires in a little mini-sode that's also in the feed um, with the director and star of Blood Relatives that I think is streaming today on uh shutter so that's been great and also patrick neil johnson's film he was a great guest two episodes back in the feed uh that's streaming as well uh there on um i think that one is vod okay so uh, again like the rise of streaming we gotta find our our uh our content from all sorts of places and it's just gonna get heavier as we go into the holiday season people start releasing all sorts of stuff and here at Geekscape, I really appreciate that you've subscribed, shared this with your friends, and that you're listening to this right now. You've got only limited time here on planet Earth and in your day, and I love that you're spending it here with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. And bring your friends over, share it, do all that stuff uh, that helps out. Uh, we're going to LA Comic Con in about less than two weeks, and we have a whole bunch of panels. Uh, some of my main stage panels that I'll be... Uh, doing our one-on-one conversations with uh let me see who they got 
um, Steve from Blues Clues. Some of you who grew up with Blues Clues, I'll be on stage talking to Steve one on one, catching on all, up on all things that he's been up to since Blues Clues. Uh, Lavar Burton, another person we grew up with, uh, Lavar Burton and I are going to be having a conversation on the main stage of LA Comic Con. And then this one, uh, you know, I was never Power Rangers to me was like a little bit of a generation behind me. Um, I was on the tail end of Gen X. But you millennials and 90s kids loved your Power Rangers. And I'm sitting down with Amy Jo Johnson. Obviously, that's uh, we're going to see like where Amy is with that. We had a, a pretty tragic loss in the Power Rangers universe uh, a couple days ago. So um, we'll just see. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. She's a filmmaker. Uh, I think I'm always up for talking to creative people. And I just have to gauge um, how that's going to go. Uh, so maybe I'll check in next week and be like, hey, so we got this panel coming up. Anything you want me to hit on, not hit on? How are you feeling? Let's go give them a great show. And then we're going to find all this stuff on the Geekscape feeds. Definitely subscribe. There are also two additional panels where we're going to be talking with a lot of podcasters and the podcasters here on the network talking about podcasting. Maybe you want to get into podcasting. Hmm. Who gave you that bad idea? Maybe it was me. Uh, we're also going to be doing a Geekscape Live uh, to wrap up all of LA Comic Con. What's crazy is that all these podcasters here who are here in LA uh, are also doing their own panels. I know uh, Christian Blatt is doing a Geekscape book club uh, at LA Comic Con Live. We've got Garrett Briones doing a pretty fun uh, one about adaptations. I hooked them up with some writers like F.J. DeSanto, who's adapted a lot of stuff for Netflix and other places, as well as uh, Matt and Burke from uh, another Netflix adaptation. Um, that'd be Lost in Space. And of course, they adapted Morbius for Sony and um, the upcoming Madame Web. So they're working in the Spider-Verse over there at Sony, and they're adapting that stuff to screen, so I thought they'd be good guests. We also have a Black Futurism panel that my friend Diallo's doing, all about Black Futurism. That's, you know, we're going to be talking about the Wakanda forever and all that Black Futurism technology that's going on there. Uh, oh, and the $2 late fee guys have a pretty damn cool panel. They've got Joe Dante, director of Gremlins, in person, Hey, I only had him for a little bit of time on the podcast right here. It's a couple of episodes back in the feed if you want to look for it. But these guys got him in person. If you're not listening to $2 Late Fee and you're a big fan of the 80s, I, I don't know what you're doing. That's the best 80s retro podcast on the internet. And I'm really glad that they call Geekscape their home. Okay, that's enough plug. If you're still listening, and I hope you are, maybe you're watching on Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube. Let's get to it. We got a big episode talking all things Dragon Prince. All right, Geekscapists, welcome back to the show. Let's talk a little bit. Um, Dragon Prince. So I'm a newbie. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a big newbie. So uh, I have not watched The Dragon Prince, but I definitely read up on it. Asked my friends who are fans of The Dragon Prince all that they could tell me. But you know what? Ultimately, I didn't need to do that. 
because I got two sources right here. Uh, my good friend Eugene Ramos, uh, last time I saw him was at my wedding, and uh, I've known him for 20 years. We went to Columbia <laughs> together. How are you, buddy? Great. A little bit of COVID, but great otherwise. A little bit? Just a little bit? Tiny bit. Okay, okay. And then uh, <laughs> his, his co-writer there in the Dragon Prince writer's room, Michal Schick, uh, she's in Queens. Uh, you're in Santa Monica, Eugene, and uh, together y'all write the y'all are in the writers' room for this Dragon Prince show on Netflix. Uh, is this your first year in the writers' room on your first season? Maybe uh, this season four that just hit. Is this your first season on the Dragon Prince? So I'm about to hit my uh, two-year anniversary on the Dragon Prince. So um, as many of you know, animation takes a bit of time. So um, yeah, it's been two years. It's, it's kind of crazy. And Michal, how long have you been in the writer's room there? I am kind of just under. I'm about, I'll be two years in March. Now, so. like two years, I'm guessing these seasons, they're nine episodes each. Um, what have you been doing all this time? <laughs> what what the guy you what, what the guy Relaxing, you doing over there? You know, chilling yeah, out. <laughs> what the guy you doing over there? This uh, the Dragon Prince, and and really the question is, um, Eugene. I know what Eugene was all about uh, going into it. Like Eugene has always been a really fantastic screenwriter, uh, and you were just waiting for your chance at bat, Eugene, and you got it here on the Dragon Prince. Um, Eugene, did you come out? Did you start out as like a writer's assistant or something, or were they like, hey, we love your scripts? You'd been clearing out a ton of film festivals with your screenplays, uh, winning a bunch of awards. Um, how did you end up with the gig? And then the next question is going to be for Mahal. Same question. Yeah. So uh, prior to The Dragon Prince, I was an assistant on another Netflix show called Daybreak. And uh, Daybreak was canceled just before, uh, a few months before COVID hit. And um, all the assistants were scrambling to find work. And no one was really hiring. And even um, for shows that I that I did interview for, a lot of them said, "Hey, your resume is is a little too big for us. I don't know. I, I don't think you'd be fit as an assistant." I mean, I've had a couple of of. Okay, so there was this one time I was um, uh, I interviewed for a runner position on this on, on this animated show, and runners like even below assistant. It's oh, uh, I started out in LA as a runner. Yeah, so it's like, like you know, get coffee. Um, yeah, donuts. You know, drive the hard drives. Somewhere. Make sure, yeah, drive the hard drives. Back in the day, the beta tapes, the VHS tapes, the DVDs, and for sure, keep the fridge stocked. Make sure that there's yeah. food in the fridge. And th this was after the daybreak assistant position, and you were yeah. like, "Hey, I just need, I need a job because I'm not going back to the library at Santa Monica College." Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that's that's something that like people don't appreciate. It's like you're like, oh, Hollywood <laughs> is great, and uh, no, like you still got to hustle every day. You still got to pay your rent, and these rents are a little on average higher than most places in the country. Oh yeah. So the funny story is that um, I think this was one day in January. I had two interviews for two runner positions: one in Santa Monica and one in Burbank. And so uh, the one in Burbank was for this um, somewhat big um, animated show. And I met with the two showrunners and the, both of them are sitting at their desk. They're looking at my resume and they look at it and they, and they say, it says here in your resume that you're nominated for a Humanitas Prize. And the Humanitas Award is like one of the big screenwriting awards. And I said, yeah, in fact, the, 
the award ceremonies tonight and they're like, you are nominated for Humanitas Prize and you're interviewing for a runner position. And one of the guys said, let me help you out. We're not gonna hire you. Um, you deserve something better. And now you know the both of us um, and uh, you know, we'll be in touch. We'll, you know, we'll let you know if, if something comes up. And you know, a couple of months later, one of the showrunners actually recommended me for a staffing position for a show that you know never even went. But you know, it's really cool that they remembered my name and they put my name for it. Um, um, Eugene, how much did the Humanitas Prize pay? Um, so when I was nominated for, for my category, I don't think there was any money. I was nominated for a short film. I don't think they gave any money for a short film. Freaking those! So I'm going to call them right now and be like, "Listen, you can't be giving false hope here." And in, in, in Los Angeles, was that the one that you did for uh, Film Independent? That short yeah. film? Yeah. So how much did the Film Independent pay? I'm just keeping track here. <laughs> I'm keeping track of all the exploitative practices in Los Angeles and how they have brilliant people like Eugene, and they're like, "Yo, man, we're going to give you some laurels, and uh, maybe you can sell them and the bread line for to, to, to pay the rent." <laughs> It's no, a blood sport, Geeks it, us. <laughs> it sounds a little bit more like you're like, hmm, what'd you get me for my wedding again, Eugene? Hmm. <laughs> Eugene does not have to get me anything for my wedding. And if he did, um, Eugene, what's your Venmo? I'll send it right back. Because uh, <laughs> Eugene, Eugene's been a friend of mine for 20 years, and uh, you've always been solid with things like recommendations. You showed up to help on set one day. Like Eugene's always been up for for helping out you've never been anybody who's like asked for anything and as i've seen over the last i mean i'm not kidding geeks gave us like 10 years of eugene advancing in festivals winning festivals winning screenplay competitions and you know summer you know not every screenplay competition is the same but like he's like i said the humanitas prize like he's winning a lot of recognition for his writing and to hear that you're applying very recently for runner positions like this is just grim but i'm glad to see you at least in a writer's room and to be on a writer's room for a show that everybody loves um michael how did you come about because i think that you had just from my very bad research online I, I feel like you had more of a background that's akin to what we do here at geekscape where you cover content you talk about content you give your opinion on content yeah i definitely had kind of a roundabout uh way to the room i i always wanted to be it TV, right? Well, always. I mean, I, I took a course in college and was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and kind of tried to get into it. Uh, but it, it didn't really happen in New York. And I got into other things. I, I got into podcasting. I kind of semi related to that. I, I uh, did a lot of entertainment journalism. Um, and through entertainment journalism, I was able to meet uh, Justin and Aaron, our bosses. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I, you know, as I spoke to them over the course of, you know, the three seasons of the dragon prince that came out, I was like, as a fan, like as a fan, as, you're like, I well, love as your a show. fan and as, uh, and as a journalist. So okay. it was like a fun combination. I mean, when I saw the, the first announcement of the show, I was like, oh my God, Aaron Haas is writing a show about dragons. Like I need this immediately in my life. Um, he was the head writer on one of the head writers, correct? On uh, Avatar Last Airbender. So he comes with some pretty awesome resume himself. And of course the fans are going to follow him. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was able to speak with them, you know, uh, they're the very personable people. They asked me what I did. I, you know, eventually was like, I, 
I'd like to be a TV writer at some point. Um, and, you know, it was a very long journey that involved the pandemic and, you know, having sure. time to write and whatever. But um, eventually I was able to apply for uh, the position and I didn't get it the first time. Um, and oh. then and then I got it uh, in March of 2021. So. Um, do they need a runner? <laughs> I, have, I have a resume. I have I have a resume. Is there offices here in Los Angeles? Like, let me see. I can I can get the resume right over to you if they need a runner for it. Let me just yeah, I mean, help a bro out here. Just runner position. I'll just go back to what I was doing 17 years ago here in Los Angeles. Fine. No ego. No ego. Um, and tell them let them know I also have a podcaster background. <laughs> that must have been. I mean, how did that? I mean, how did that conversation go? Where you're like, hey, you know, I've been writing about the show. You know, I'm a fan of the show. Like, how did you convince them? Like, they asked for writing samples. What happened there? Um, I mean, it's hard to remember exactly which part of it came first, but like, you know, they they liked what I wrote about the show, so I guess they knew I could put two words together um and yeah I, we had a couple of conversations just kind of like informational like how do you get into the industry and and you know what what kind of thing do you work on and of course like i did none of that until like basically until the pandemic mm -hmm. um and uh yeah i mean the the interview process was super long i mean i think the first time i applied in august and i got the extremely nice we'd love to hire you, but we can't right now call in November. So, and okay. like every single day of that, I was like, <laughs> your experience um, was similar, Eugene, where it was like, Hey, we love you, but we don't know how this is moving. Like it's been a couple of years since our last season and we don't know what we're doing. Like, is it kind of moving into crawl over there? No, thanks to the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So normally, you know, when you, when you interview with a showrunner, the decision's made very quickly. Um, usually you interview and by the next day you get a phone call or an email saying, you know, whether or not you're in the room. And the whole process um, uh, with the Dragon Prince, like McCall said, took a couple months and it was wow. you know, daily anxiety waiting for that email or phone call. <laughs> And you can't tell anybody, right, guys? Like you can't tell anybody because there's probably an NDA that you that they're looking for writers or that they're hiring or that you even interviewed. So the crazy thing about this position, so you know, typically you find out about um, vacancies in writers' rooms through your through your reps, and uh, this particular position was posted on their website. I found out because I was looking for assistant positions, and someone on one of the assistance boards posted about it and i thought yeah why the hell not i'm gonna i'll apply to this shoot your shot and Mia, is that what you saw as well was the position on the, on the website yes yeah and also i want to also say our our um amazing colleagues joe cochran was actually the writer's assistant um and our also fellow writer uh paige van tassel also applied through the website. I think her friend sent her the link or something. And yeah, so it was wow. it was very like fortuitous in, in a lot of different ways. And in Geekscape, I just want to make note, um, they're like, Michaela is in the writer's room right now and they're working hard on season five of the Dragon Prince. So you can hear banging and <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's in Queens. It's in either the writer's room or I live next to three houses that are under intense construction. <laughs> 
So yeah, no, they're hard Which at work, <laughs> folks. Um, so I, I was being facetious earlier, and um, really, I think we should just tell people who are not familiar with the Dragon Prince what the Dragon Prince is about, and then I want to talk about like what they kept y'all busy with the last two years beyond just writing episodes and obviously like in writers rooms you're writing a lot of things that don't ever make it to the screen you're writing a lot of story threads you're, you're exploring a lot of different avenues and you're pushing and pulling on these characters and on these stories they don't always the, the bread doesn't always rise right um but i know that the dragon prince is also exp exploring some like transmedia stuff like uh, video games etc cetera, etc cetera. and i want to ask whether or not y'all uh ever get busy with that work if you get if you're involved in any of that stuff really first i think we should tell people what the dragon prince is whoever wants to take lead on that one uh it i guess it's the epic story of two human princes in a world with dragons elves and intergenerational conflict who uh become friends with an elf on the other side and work together to start the peace process would be the the very top line view i think there's two competing there's there's a kingdom of like fantasy creatures and in, in the animals and there's a kingdom of humans and like do, were they familiar with each other or was this like something where they discover each other in the dragon prince or like, what's the history on this one yeah, so I think I think the best way to put it is in ancient ancient times, uh, everyone lived together, and then at a certain point, the humans were exiled from uh, part of the land by the magical uh, elves and dragons, um, and so they have been living in kind of a non-magical state on the other side of the border, uh, and while well, all the magic and magical creatures uh, live on the original side, so there's a lot of resentment and uh, a lot of history. That, okay. Yeah. And so uh, you have this story, and and Geese, I'm just kind of asking questions. I know the answers because I read up <laughs> on the show. But uh, you've got this split kingdom, and now it's two kingdoms. It's divided by a river of magma. I heard right, like the, that that kind of a, like delineates the the two kingdoms from each other. And you have this king who's running a human kingdom, and on the other side, uh, you've got all this really tempting magic stuff that man would it be great if we get some of that magic stuff and is the king just kind of like oh, yo listen we got to keep the status quo and as it always happens the king always has like the evil vizier right like the king always has the dude you know it happened in like aladdin right like you always have like the evil dude who's like got the ear of the king and it's like mm, if only we could get some of that magic stuff and the king's like no 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 please we have peace and then the bad guy's like yeah, but if we could actually get that magic stuff, you know what? I should be in charge. Enough of this jerk. He just wants peace. You know what? I want. Oh yeah, I want a, I want a piece of that magic stuff. And then he goes about with his machinations to uh, cause a little bit of problems so that he can get his hands on some of it. And then, really, the story takes place with like the 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 king's kid, right? And teaming up with uh, a buddy, and then. Again, like you said, somebody from the magic side. Also a kid of one of the characters. This would be an elf character. Uh, yes. So Rayla is the elf. Um, she actually comes on the scene because she's part of a team of elves who are supposed to kill the king and oh, kill the younger prince. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it starts, starts a little stabby um, and <laughs> continues to be increasingly stabby. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then they, the thing that stops her from 
committing this assassination is that she realizes that the reason why that they're why they're there, which is a revenge quest, because the uh, humans and the evil or complicated as we call him, Vizier, uh, has has actually stolen the uh, egg of the dragon of the dragon king. So the dragon okay. prince is in an egg. Everybody thought he was dead. They thought the humans destroyed the egg. Um, turns out it's alive and in its little beautiful egg. And if they can return that to the dragon queen, then they think that that will be a great gesture of peace that will move the world forward. So the two human princes and the elf Rayla go on a journey with uh, this egg. And um that's season one. <laughs> okay. That's season one. And now you're all around season four. And season four had like a bit of a time jump. Am I right? So and not just in the writer's room, not just the fact that there were years between season three and four, but there's actually narratively a two-year time jump. Um, was that written as, I mean, that's where y'all kind of come into the writer's room. Um, was there any explanation for that? Or is it an opportunity to maybe have fill-in stories later on that says, hey, in that two-year period, we can tell some of these offshoot stories with maybe some of the secondary characters and explore that a little bit more? Or are we just never going to see those two years ever again? Or are there flashbacks in season four and five that maybe explore some of the things that happened in, those, in that time? Eugene is, is currently trying to explore what he can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I know that look. Hey, I know that look. <laughs> so um, um, part of the two years, I think, was to address that there was going to be a gap in the releases between seasons three and seasons four, uh, season four. And um, we want to show or we want to um, um, have our characters grow up at the same rate as our audience was. So um, I think Aaron and Justin didn't feel as right to just um, jump in right after season three ended, um, which I think was a, was a um, really good narrative um, decision to make. Um, as for exploring the gap, I don't know. I mean, um, there's lots of stuff that happens. There's a, a we have a great graphic novel called Through the Moon, where you could, which you could buy at your uh, local independent bookstore, your comic book there's shop. A, there's a graphic novel right now that explores a two-year gap. Uh, like a couple months after after season three, um, sure. and hints at what happens um, during the gap. Oh, that's cool. I like. I love it when stories do that. We're, you know, and they do it in different mediums. That helps. Um, Ace Benna over on Facebook is like, "Yo, give us the insider info." And to my credit, you know, when I asked that question, Ace jumped in with, "Hey, good question." <laughs> every now and then, every now and then, I keep my mouth open enough, something smart comes out of it. Um, so you got this graphic novel that can explore that period. Uh, Season four, have the fans been receptive to the time jump, or do they feel some of them feel shaken? Because it's a gutsy move, but like you said, it seems like one that might be natural considering the the, the distribution gap. Yeah, I think I think there's been mixed reactions, at least my impression, to the time jump, which I think totally makes sense because it's like, I mean, I always remember like you know watching TV even into my like early twenties and you would come back to a new season. This, this was in the olden days when shows had 22 episodes and, <laughs> and you had were to watch off only live. for the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, there was always that kind of new dive in feeling, even if it took place simultaneously, like, or, or continuously from the previous, you know, episode, because it was it, the, the cast and crew had left out of summer, come back. Um, 
And I think I think there is that reacclimatization. Our characters almost all look very different. They you know are in different situations. They've learned a lot of new skills. So I I totally understand. Like I, I think it it makes a lot of sense that people need some time to like, you know, it's like when you when you get a new blanket on your bed, right? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 comfortable, but it's not like your blanket right away. So you need a little time to sleep in the blanket, and I think we're definitely <laughs> gonna give fans enough time to like get uh, reaccustomed to um, our our characters and and yeah, realize that they're the same people that they they know and love. I don't know how privy you are to this, but are the numbers? I have a theory, and maybe the theory is not backed up by the numbers. But um, the are, are more people watching season four than watch seasons one, two, and or three. But my 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 theory is this, and it's the Breaking Bad theory. Remember when Breaking Bad had like two or three seasons, and then the writer strike happened, and it was a forced hiatus on Breaking Bad, and there was a lot of question about whether or not it was going to be canceled. But you could finally watch this AMC show that a lot of people did watch on AMC, but not everybody watched on AMC. Suddenly it was on Netflix and people started catching up on Breaking Bad on Netflix. So when they actually brought back the new season, which we didn't know if it was going to be the last season or not, a ton of fans poured into Breaking Bad. It turned it into a hit. And as we know, it then moved on to a post film, very successful seasons and then better call Saul, the, the hollow up prequel show. You notice that maybe that two year gap or however long it was between season three and four allowed fans to discover the show, become fans of it and maybe imp- improve the numbers going to season four. Is that something that y'all have witnessed or maybe even uh, felt in the fan feedback that maybe there, you know, cause Michal, you were there as a fan and as a commentator, journalists on the show from the beginning have you noticed that more people are into the show now season four than were before and maybe it's attributed to that gap and you know people being allowed to catch up you know i really don't know i i get nervous anytime i think about numbers uh, (laughs) in any capacity um the the number of times i've had to ask people to do timestamp math for me in the writer's room is truly (laughs) truly embarrassing um but yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of passion out there. And I think that, you know, like it did with the first season, it it will continue to grow and we'll be able to, you know, it, it, we're, we're lucky in that it's, it, you know, it's not like it, it isn't a 22, you know, episode season. It, it doesn't require an intense amount of time to like catch up. Uh, you can, you can, even all three seasons, you can watch in a couple days. Um so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think going forward, people will will start marinating in the Dragon Prince, and that the the sound of it will get bigger across the halls of the internet. And Mihal, you were talking about being a fan of television back in college, et cetera, uh, and really how that kind of formed your own writing and storytelling, right? Uh, what were some of those shows that you were a fan of? Or that you think were influential to you as a writer? Uh, ooh, okay. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Um, I caught up on Buffy. I, like, binged Buffy in college. Um, oh, Lost was on when I was in college. So that was a big one, for sure. That was, like, that was also one of the first shows that I listened to podcasts about. So it was kind of my, like, intro to that version of things. You were um, somebody who was like, what do the numbers mean? What, you know, what is this? Oh, What's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. What I didn't it? particularly care about the, the answers to the theories, but I thought the theories were so interesting. And just hearing people break down like the character and, and all that stuff. So, so great. Um, I remember binging Frasier in college. Um, I don't know that that, that has, you know, too much direct link to uh, my work now, but <laughs> I got to tell you, um, Heidi, uh, who Eugene knows, uh, my wife, she uh, is a big fan of, Friends. She's a big fan of uh, Northern Exposure, a lot of the um, really positive sitcoms. And Frasier sometimes comes on in the house and it's well written. Like, it's really well written. The gags and the right dialogue in Frasier and just the setups are really well done. They're, they're like really fun playwrights, the people who are behind Frasier and I guess Cheers before it. And, uh, and Northern Exposure, like, those all, don't those all, those all are Cheers spinoffs, aren't they? Isn't Northern Exposure a cheer spinoff as well? No, not Northern Exposure. I'm sorry. Um, Wings Ooh. is a yes. I think that I think that that is a Cheers spinoff. I think that the characters in Wings are Cheers spinoffs. Listen, Marvel doesn't have the <laughs> Marvel doesn't have the monopoly on creating a shared universe. Okay, like Cheers was you know I would say Cheers is first actually. Um, uh, what was it? Wasn't uh, the the good times the one that was that was the one that had like nine spinoffs from it? So listen, Marvel, you ain't doing anything new, okay? <laughs> or spinoffs before that? Um, okay, so those are your influences, Eugene. Like I knew you in college, but you just watch weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. What were some of your influences? Like you just, <laughs> you know, I was like, people are like, "Hey, Eugene's having movie night," and I'm like, "Nah, I don't, I don't know, man." I, I don't know if I want. Somebody died last time. I don't want to go over there. <laughs> well, I think my my biggest TV influences, um, especially early on, were um, Star Trek and and the Twilight Zone, and um, a lot of the stuff that David Kelly was doing when he was um, um, an early showrunner, like uh, Picket Fences and Chicago Hope. Um, those were my favorites. Eugene, yeah, I, I mean, you're you're one of my good friends. You literally just saw you at my wedding. Where did you grow up? I know this. We're, Chicago, Chicago area. Yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah, say, yeah. Chicago. And as you're growing up, like, what got you into television? Like, what what got you into writing? Because I know you as a very prolific writer. And whenever I think about my, uh, you know, meandering writing career, I just think, hey, like, Eugene's probably writing right now, Jonathan, like, like, turn off video <laughs> games. Stop reading comics. Eugene's probably, you know where Eugene's writing right now. Like, what, what got you into this? Um, I mean, I was, I was an avid TV watcher uh, when I was a kid. My aunt tells me the story about how um, she would come up to me and say, like, when I was five or five or six, like, did you, did you finish your homework? And I'd be watching, like, uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost and saying, no, 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 yeah, it's all done, it's all done. I just, you know, I just need to watch Casper. Wait, um, were you lying? Had you finished your homework in order to be- watch Casper, or were you like? Finished? Oh, I, I was, I was definitely lying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, all throughout, um, you know, middle school and high school, I would do my homework in front of the television. So, um, and it was a very weird change. Like in college, I didn't have a TV, so doing homework without a television was kind of weird for me. Right. And um, Ace is back and he says, listen, none of this is weird stuff. We were <laughs> promised weird stuff. Uh, no, Eugene, uh, Eugene was, uh, you were a year behind me at Columbia. So yeah. I don't think we hung out too much. We really be, actually, I think, became better friends when you moved out here. 
and we get to like be like, oh, we're we're like expats over here in San in Los Angeles. We should we should we should work together. Is that right? Yeah, but we in- we still hung out a bit in, in in film school. I remember going to Midtown Comics with you and and picking issues out and um, talking about Spider Man the- and stuff like that. That was it was you, Jim Pelgrinelli, possibly Andy Radinger and I, and in Nicole Walker for sure. Mm-hmm. And the Wednesday Geekscapist, the Wednesday tradition was to hop on the subway, go down to Times Square, get Popeyes. <laughs> you had to get yeah, is the Popeyes still there? Mahal, is the Popeyes in Times Square still there? <laughs> uh I hope not. If it <laughs> You get the Popeyes, and then you get the comics. You don't want to get the comics and then get the Popeyes because, like, how dare you? Like, you don't want to, like, read comics with Popeyes in your fingers. You get the Popeyes, and then you wash your damn hands. You make sure to wash your damn hands, and then you get the comic books. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that Wednesday tradition, um, and it was, and I wouldn't miss it. I have a Wednesday tradition now where I go and... I get my comics and I don't get Popeyes anymore. Uh, not, not too often. I'll get Popeyes like once every couple months, but oh my God, it was every, every freaking Wednesday. How did I die of cardiac arrest? Um, but that was our Wednesday freaking. He just reminded me that was our routine, dude. Hop on the one nine or whatever it was, the NR. I don't know what it was. And like go down the jump off at like 49th 47th street go to popeyes walk down to 41st or 40th and get midtown and then hop on the subway and go back yeah be all happy with we got our stack of comics it's amazing <laughs> and are comics like a are there going to be comics for maybe the dragon prince would that be something y'all would be interested in writing have they do they have you all writing that stuff don't let it we've be been cute. writing um chibi comics for the show so oh little, those are like, cute yeah those were a lot of what fun is- and Geekscapists who don't know what chibi comics are, can you explain? Because it's a fairly like manga influenced thing, is it not? But it's like it's almost like children or younger kitty, more like storybook versions of the characters. Is that right? How would you describe chibi? I mean, I don't know. Like my only experience with it is that like. My only experience is that Stan Sakai, who does uh, Yusagi Jimbo, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of and have been for 30 years, uh, he did a chibi version of Yusagi, and it had like a cutesy kind of like baby X. Remember when the X-Men got turned into babies by Mojo? Like it, it feels like a baby X-Men type of feel to it. So so my only real experience with chibi things is the, like, I don't even remember how or when they were released, but um, when Avatar was on, they did like three or four episodes of everyone in TV form and they would have like bending battles and like little tiny mini things. Um, so our, our, our TV comics are kind of in that style where it's like very heightened and like a little bit of a joke, almost commentary on mm-hmm. the, you know, on the show. Um, but, uh, and they're not, they're not officially canon. Um, no. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> those, those, those baby X. I mean, because Scotty Young, Scotty Young is the artist in comic books who does a lot of the. I mean, maybe he'd be insulted by me saying it was chibi style, but like, he's somebody who write who draws like that version of the Marvel comics is the chibi style. Uh, it's kind of cool that you are doing this. Is this something that you find online? Or are these actually in print? Like, where can people find this, and uh, and they, they kind of have fun with that style of it. Um, just look at our social media. We have them, I think, on 
Instagram, Twitter, and I think they're also posted on, on the Facebook. There's like seven or eight mm -hmm. in, the, in the first round that that were released. Eugene did some really really funny. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can find all of them on Twitter. I think um, not all of them are on Facebook or Instagram, but definitely all of them are up on Twitter. And Eugene, like, where's the mind shift there when you're writing kind of like this? Because I would say, you know, Avatar was, the, for me, I think the first time that, no, that's not true. Uh, it, I think that on a wider audience, a wider scale, it was, it opened up a lot of stuff for people to tell more mature stories in an animated style, uh, in a, it, almost to a mainstream. Like, obviously, those sh that show was on Nickelodeon, which at the time is the place to see kids stuff but it also had a lot of stuff that wasn't just for kids it has a lot of humor i think avatar had some great humor in it um but then it also had some really serious themes um you're writing that stuff into the dragon prince as well like just watching the trailer or watching some of the material that i've seen on the dragon prince there are a lot of cool themes going on and they're not and they're not just the themes of you know protecting the earth a lot of the environmental themes that we saw in avatar and in Korra. Uh, you start to see scenes about like accepting one's sexuality or accepting one's place in the world or accepting others' differences and things. Um, are some of those in the chibi books? Like, do you have to shift gears entirely and maybe strip some of that stuff out, Eugene, when you go chibi style? Yeah, we, you're, I think you're we like have to loud take a lot. pop pow, biff bam <laughs> with a chibi. Yeah, we, I, we we really can't deal with generational trauma in the in the chibi comics. So, because <laughs> yeah, everybody looks like kids, <laughs> it'd be weird. It'd be like really weird if like one of the kid cartoon looking things has like more wrinkles around the sides. Like, all right, well, I guess that's the older one. They're not nice. Um, so you're working with Aaron. How do you pronounce Aaron's last name? Yes. He has, and so Aaron is the guy who come, came over from Avatar. He started this thing up. Uh, what's that like? Like, what do you learn from from someone like Aaron who has 10, 15 years of really successful, 20 years of really successful writing, especially with Avatar and just how great that show was? Uh, what do you learn from somebody like him in the writer's room? And do you get like performance anxiety at all when they turn to you and like, hey, what ideas you got? What do you think of the story? Wait, oh, let's pitch, pitch us a storyline. Like, what the heck? Like, how do you how do you step up to the bat on that one? Yeah, I mean, definitely when I first started, a ton of performance anxiety. Um, for me, what I've learned is is to trust his instincts. Like, you know, he's been doing this successfully for many, many years. And um, I do remember cases where uh, there are certain things that came up in the script and I wasn't quite convinced um, it would work. So for example, in season four, there's this whole routine where Soren does a, um, the stand-up in I think episode, uh, episode two. Um, and- um, Episode three I... is what Michal says. <laughs> you know what, get it together. You know what, can you drive this stuff over by noon, pal? You know, you're, back to, you're back to the runner, okay? Okay. No, <laughs> Listen, pal, we need to get these tapes over to the east side, all right, pal? Get, get going. You don't want to be late. I'm kidding, Eugene. Um, so what, tell me the scenario again. Yeah. So I remember um another, you know before I say another stupid joke. <laughs> I remember reading the script and on paper it just it didn't seem to me, it didn't seem very funny. And I remember pitching in the room and I said, I know you guys are gonna kill me for making this pitch, but I think we could use uh fewer Soren jokes. 
and there's like this big uproar and Aaron's like, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to keep them. Um, and then I just, you know, I, I bit my tongue, but then when I saw the animatics come in and, and Jesse, the, the great actor who plays Soren do those jokes, it just made me realize, yeah, Aaron, Aaron had this on the money. He knew exactly how this would play out. And it's, I think it's great. It's really funny. It wasn't too long. It, he it, he threw the jokes at him in quick succession. That's kind of the, the joke in itself was how many jokes there were. And and um, like the, the fact that he's bombing and the reactions yeah. from all the other characters and it it played really well. I mean, you once you get the like, actors, oh. once you get the actors and the the animators in the mix, it just became a whole different scene. Mm-hmm. And Michal, do you, do you have experiences like that where you're like, okay, like what's the learning curve on actually appreciating a show, uh, being like, I'm guessing Eugene, you either were a fan of the show and, and knew about it, or you had to go on a major study session uh, when you were inquiring about the gig and kind of get yourself, you know, ready for the interviews or at least the, the application. Uh, Michal, you were saying that you're a fan of the show, um, being familiar with the show and then being a writer on the show, two different parts sides of the fence do you have a learning curve story like eugene does you know i i would definitely consider myself still on the learning curve like i it's 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 such a dynamic job you know and and things change so frequently and it's you know it's it's really exciting in that way and like the the pace of i think idea you know percolation and then watching it become one thing and then something else is, is really exciting. Um, I definitely like, I distinctly remember that my, my first day was a, uh, a kind of central, um, like an, a brainstorm session um, for an upcoming season. And I think Aaron pulled out some note cards and I was like, <gasps> I'm watching Aaron. Yes. Want Oh my god! Um, but, you nerded out. Yeah. You're like, oh, I really. Uh, I was like trying to be cool, and I was just when like, when you put oh, that no. on the computer, can I keep the note cards, please? <laughs> you're, like, you're, like asking, you're like asking for the set list at the end of the concert. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you mentioned like doing a brainstorm session for additional seasons, and if you're watching this live, or you know, you can always leave a comment on Facebook or Instagram, or, or not Instagram. We're not on Instagram. I mean, we're on Instagram, but we're not streaming on Instagram. If you if you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook, you can leave a question as well, because uh, I'd love y'all to be a part of it as well. You probably know the show better than I do. Um, you mentioned additional seasons. How many more are there in this narrative? Because uh, obviously, there will probably be spinoffs. We'll probably see these characters. Uh, a bit more than just a couple of uh, seasons that we have left, correct? Who knows? I mean, but that's for you to answer. What can you say? What can you tell us? How many official seasons do we have left of this storyline of the this iteration of the Dragon Prince? Well, we're, we've been um, greenlit by Netflix um, for uh, five through seven. So, okay, so we're on season four. Five through seven. Will there be a gap uh, similar between four and five, or is five something that was being worked on pretty much subsequently to what y'all were doing in four? Yeah, not that we, not mean, that things can't shift. I mean, things can shift, but like, sure. is I mean, there going to be? Basically, we've been doing all all those four seasons at the same time. So, um, oh, no, oh, yeah. so five. It's not that it's just that you all were writing five quickly. Five, six, and seven. 
we're kind of being yeah. So it's it's, it's a very interesting process, just trying to contain four seasons in your head. Um, you know, we're approving you know animations for season four while writing a future episode, and it's it's crazy because I'll be I'll be pitching for a future episode, and I had just watched a season four animation, and I remember pitching something like. Well, we could do this because Ezrin has his backpack, and then I would pause and think, "Oh shoot, that's from season four. Never mind." Mm-hmm. Oh, so things are being eaten up on a visuals like level that on a writer level you're presenting, and you realize that some of the visuals are starting to replace some of those ideas or establish them in a different way than you're going to be able to to pivot with uh, later in the process. Um, beyond the additional episode seasons five through seven. Uh, video game. Y'all working on this video game at all? Um, How much can you talk about? Because I, I only, I only, re- I only. Well, well, I read online that there's a possibility of a Dragon Prince video game. That's something that can or cannot be confirmed by you guys. There is a video game. Okay, is that something that comes out of the writers' room, or do you hire people who know video games to work on it? Because I know that Aaron was involved with video games for a stretch. Um, is he that is that kind of more his thing, or is it, or is he opening up to ideas from the writers' room as well? It to kind of make it like a whole shared uh, voice here on the Dragon Prince. Um, tell me if well, you, I mean, just I tell think... me if you can't touch it too. <laughs> like if, if if I ask anything that you can't touch, feel free to be like, yeah, I don't think we can comment on that, but thumbs up. Well, you play mean, the video game. <laughs> video games are definitely in like the DNA of the company of Wonderstorm, um, you know, our, one of our co-founders, Justin Richmond, who's Aaron's co-writer, um, you know, came from the Uncharted. Um, I think he did Uncharted too. Um, and so he, you know, uh, and they, they've both worked at Riot, our, you know, amazing lead writer, um, Devin also came from Riot. Like it's, it's very much in the DNA of, of what we do and the kind of application of, cool stories into interactive video game concepts is is really important to us um and uh we're working on a video game that's cool uh anything beyond these four seasons in a video game i kind of know the answer but i want to hear it from you (laughs) (laughs) we have one graphic novel uh planned that hasn't been one or two two one Right. I can't remember. Right. So two have come out already. So we have Through the Moon, which is the one that takes place after season three. We have Blood Moon Huntress, which is um, a kind of Rayla as a child backstory. Um, And then we have one called The Puzzle House that's coming out next year. Um, That's all for the like new material. There are also novelizations of um, each season. So I think the first two seasons are out and the third season novelization is coming out sometime next year. And the um, M. Night Shyamalan film adaptation, is that still going on? <laughs> the, you, I, I'm just... Is, is that room, is that, is that, I'm going to cry, and it's not even what, my show. Is, <laughs> is, is that still in the, in the, in the works there? Is, the, is that... I'm just I'm just reading things on the internet. That's it's just my you know it's just my job to ask questions here on Geekscape. I'm just trying to explore it. Uh, I what a what a jerk this guy is. Uh, that being said, like Avatar: Last Airbender is getting a new interpretation in live action form. Is that something that maybe we'd see as the Dragon Prince later on? 
Because that's way too early. You know, I'll just answer my own damn question. <laughs> what do y'all think? I mean, it'd be cool, right? I'm going to yeah, ask you I... guys, if, like, who would you fan cast? Let's just do it right here. Ryan Reynolds plays who? Let's do it. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, no, it's got to okay. be Chris. Okay, just yeah, just okay. Yeah, Chris Pratt voices everybody. The voice okay. just, just as just for fun, okay, just for fun, Geekscapist. This isn't official. This isn't anything that is in the works. If they're doing a live action version of the Dragon Prince, okay, who would y'all see? Let's let's list like the top three, four, or five characters. Who would you like to see uh, play them? Who would you who would you cast? Oof. You've thought about this, right? No, no, we have. I mean, like, yeah, you've you know, thought about this. This is unofficial, remember, folks. I can't this remember is... names that were brought up. I mean, we we've had like sort of um, fun talks at uh, Comic Con dinner after a couple beers, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, trying to cast. Wait, people. you were staying with us. <laughs> Eugene shared my Comic Con room. <laughs> You didn't invite me oh, to any of these. Oh, okay. I'm putting these together now. Okay. I was hearing so much. Mihal was there? I was at Comic-Con, yeah. And you didn't Not in your room, introduce thankfully. us? And you, didn't, no, <laughs> and you didn't invite me to any of these pie-in-the-sky dinners where you make up stuff and meet M. Night Shyamalan and discuss the film adaptations? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that doesn't happen. But listen. Uh, hey, next. this is kind of happening way too fast eugene but uh as an, this is behind the scenes geekscape is uh san diego comic-con the exhibitor request for rooms goes back up on like thursday the first of december and i got oh, the wow. email yes i got the email yesterday or late last week and i'm like are we here already Jeez. it feels like we were just at comic-con yeah. And uh, I guess we're putting in for a room again uh, next <laughs> week. <laughs> so it just LA Comic Con hasn't even happened. We're putting rooms back in for San Diego <laughs> Comic Con. Uh, and maybe Eugene will be there. Maybe I'll finally get invited to a dinner and be like, hey, <laughs> y'all, y'all need a runner? <laughs> Hook me up, bro. Uh, they'll be like, no, we heard your podcast. You're an idiot. <laughs> You couldn't even find an on-ramp to adulthood. How are you going to find an on-ramp to the <laughs> to the east side of Los Angeles? Um, all right. So Cuban casting. <laughs> and Ace is... Ace, don't feed the trolls, man. Ace in the comments is saying, oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> is it? Is it? A grown man? Okay. That's enough. This, okay. <laughs> the thing is, though, I think that there's a lot to be said for keeping animation in animation. Because... There's, there's, they're just different art forms, and animation is its art own art form. And 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 anyway, our cast is quite young, so I think most of them would be unknowns. Okay. And so who's Tom Holland playing? Yeah. Enough of this, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, what? Tom Holland could play Thor. That's and I'm a not fa- going to lie. That could that could work. That's a fed. You know what? That's a fantastic answer, Mihal. Okay, Eugene, what do you got here? Well, while Mihal goes and yells at the roofers <laughs> next door, <laughs> what do you got over right your head about? All right, who are we talking about? Polly Shore? Who Polly Shore play a dragon? Ooh, yeah, Polly Shore. I can call him. Polly Shore. Okay. <laughs> Polly Shore play a dragon? Who else we got here? Who else we got? Um, we got still got Carrot Tops. Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, two of our leads are Hoppa. So. Um, Trying to think off the top of my head, who who could play Callum, for example? Oh, um, you want to keep it in you know culturally appropriate? Oh, that yeah. didn't stop the no no. Did you see the Avatar movie? 
Oh yeah, they were they went full twilight on that thing. They were like, "Hey, <laughs> this kid's hot." <laughs> I, I do on. recall uh, the Avatar movie becoming the emblem of whitewashing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's stick with you know what? Let's stick with Eugene's sentiments. So yeah, Eugene, you're right. You're right. <laughs> There's a reason Eugene uh, is in the writers' room and Jonathan's uh, on the internet. Uh, so yeah, no, that's good stuff. Good. Stuff. <laughs> All right. Ace says, I'm enjoying this conversation immensely. <laughs> well, Ace, um, I'm glad you're here in the comments, and I'm glad you're enjoying our talk. Um, and Helen, Eugene, I won't continue to abuse y'all. Y'all are y'all are too good to at least give me. The, I've known Eugene too long, and I know that the second we're, we're off the internet uh, and this is recorded, uh, he's just going to blow up my phone. Like, Eugene acts nice, and Nihal, you've only known him for a short period of time. <laughs> But I'm I'm in trouble. And as soon as I hit stop on this recording, he's gonna just berate me. Like he's very, yeah. very I'm mean. Like just right away. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Please don't call my wife. Please don't do that. Don't, how dare you, Eugene? Please don't. Here's the thing. Here's why Eugene and it, Eugene used to come to Comic Book Wednesday with me in college. Uh, so he could tear up my comics and throw Popeyes at my face. <laughs> <laughs> hot just, sauce. You know what? Yeah, he, it's like open your eyes, and and I was like, not the hot sauce. And he would, he would, he would, yeah, he would pour hot sauce on my eyes. He's like, who's reading? Who can read comics now? And then I would wipe the hot sauce out of my eyes with the tattered remains of my comic books. <laughs> Luckily, the tears would wash a lot of it out. But um, I did get, I got a couple of paper cuts on my pupils. Um, he made sure of it. And then um, Eugene never, the reason I never got invited to movie night with Eugene or TV. Day. <laughs> I never got it. I was like, what are y'all? I was like, where are y'all going? And they're like, oh, no, don't worry about it, nerd. <laughs> and that's in film school. When you're the nerd in film school, you're really, really the nerd. So it's a level. Um, I won't. Uh, yeah, I won't lie. <laughs> uh, I asked Eugene. I said, Eugene, you're in LA. Like, I get it with me, Hall. She's coming calling in from Queens, but you're in LA. Like, maybe we should get together and do our portion live. And he said, Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, that's not gonna happen. I was like, maybe we can grab like lunch or something after. And he, he's just like, Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. Hey, um, I got COVID, so I'm trying to keep you safe. <laughs> Wait, that's why you would have said yes. You're like, Yeah, we can hang out. He's <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> open your eyes <laughs> okay <laughs> he starts spinning at me all right all right this has descended into ridiculousness and i think we know who to blame michal uh we're gonna blame her. Uh, <laughs> it's not her fault it's my fault uh if you're looking for any more information on the dragon prince you're probably not gonna find it that was probably what you know go rewind and play it again you're gonna have some information but the rest of this no we're just gonna say thank you to Eugene and Michal for entertaining my ludicrousness. And I want all of y'all to watch The Dragon Prince season one through three on Netflix and then get yourselves ready for season four, which is currently playing. And then in three years, we get season five. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Y'all wrote it all together. We'll it won't be three years. Right? We, can, three years. We, we are authorized to say that it will not be three years. Okay, cool, cool. All right, Geeks gave us. Um, I loved having, I actually loved having Eugene in me on the show. And Eugene, I'm sorry. Um, no, invite us back when season five comes out. 
Yeah. We'll invite you guys back when season five comes back, and maybe Aaron will pop in and be like, "All right, listen, can I keep this thing straight? Like, enough of this. Like, I'm not gonna let y'all bandy about a bunch of. You know what? This is my show. I'm gonna be protective of it. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, Geekscape has watched the Dragon Prince. And speaking of uh, stuff that's coming back soon, uh, we have more Geekscape coming. Um, there's uh, a bunch of stuff coming out between now and. I go to my honeymoon in less than a month. Like I'm, I'm leaving for my honeymoon in mid December, and I think we're gonna record like a million geekscapes between now and then. I have to schedule them out, or else you're gonna get them all in like one week because I'm recording a ton of them. But some are really, really cool. If they come through, I'm gonna be really excited to share these conversations with you. And again, like we're going to LA Comic Con and the mix of regular panels and main stage panels. There's gonna be a lot of content on this feed. So if you really enjoyed Geekscape subscribe share it with your friends tell them this is a fun podcast until the host loses his mind and starts saying stupid stuff uh and also we have other podcasts here on the network matt kelly's brought in a bunch of cool shows and everything from uh pro wrestling to music to 80s retro stuff to filmmaking uh we've got improvised improvised comedy podcast we got tons of stuff here on the geekscape network just search for geekscape wherever you get your podcast you'll find something from us if not just this flagship show uh that poorly represents everybody else on it and uh we're on every social media platform so um facebook for now twitter instagram <laughs> twitch uh and and uh search for geekscape on tiktok and you'll find some old videos from geekscape some new stuff and we're on all of it um thank you guys so much is my audience allowed to go find you guys on twitter in the next two days that it exists y'all around yeah so i'm at at eugene ramos on twitter and instagram and i'm uh ink as rain i-n-k-a-s-r-a-i-n because i thought that was cool in like 2008 when I started my blog. So. <laughs> that was your ICQ ID. I got it. <laughs> I, know it's, I know how it works. Uh, Geekscape, thank you so much for being a part of this. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.